Today on Business Builders, we're discussing how to improve your success at recruitment. My co-host Ron reflects on missing his calling as a radio host. We look at some of the feedback that you, our listeners, have given us about our first episode, and we give you our six top tips on how to improve the way you recruit right now. Well, welcome to the second episode of Business Builders. We're your hosts. I'm Brenton Gowland. And I'm Ron Tomlin. I have to say, I'm really encouraged, Brenton. We've started receiving some great feedback from our first episode and a number of suggestions about the topics that people would like to hear about to help them in their business this year, which is great. Yeah, absolutely, Ron. And that's why we started Business Builders, so we can talk together about the topics that will help us in business this year. But I know why you're encouraged, Ron, and I think it's because of a particular piece of feedback. (laughs) Indulge me, Brenton. Well, uh, here's some of the things people have said about our first episode. Great points, easy listening. We're really looking forward to the next episode. And that Ron has a very soothing voice. (laughs) I must say, I did like that comment, but I'm not sure my family would agree. (laughs) You do have a great voice for radio, Ron. People have often told me I have a great face for radio, but this is a new twist. I think I might have missed my calling. Well, you're making up for it now with your smooth tones. Now, it's probably also worth talking about some of the topic suggestions we've received from people, and they include things like, can you please talk on the advantages of having a mentor? And how do I find the right mentor? We'd also like to hear about things like the importance of communication techniques and B2B practices, but a really hot topic right now is recruitment, Ron. Absolutely. So we've chosen that for our topic today. Great. Well, keep those suggestions coming in and we'll try to address them all over time. So just before we get into today's topic, Brenton, we'd like to remind you that the Business Builders podcast is all about providing you, our listeners, with insights that will help you succeed in business this year. But a podcast like this doesn't happen without support. So here's a call out to the wonderful folks at Nucleus, whose generous support helps make this podcast podcast to reality. Nuclear specialize in growing businesses and helping you achieve your goals through brand work, digital, print, video, campaigns, web and marketing, and they can help you grow your business. In fact, I've recommended several of my clients visit Nucleus and they've seen their businesses grow as a result. So do yourself a favor and visit their website at www.nucleus.com.au to see how they can help you. Great stuff. Now, in my work with CEOs and executives, I hear a lot about the issues facing individual organizations and businesses in general. And with COVID and all its many implications, the list of issues has morphed, twisted, and unfortunately grown. But regardless, in good times and bad, what do you think consistently is the number one problem that businesses face, regardless of the size of the organization or the industry? Well, I can think of a number of issues from personal experience in my business, from growing the top line by getting in front of new potential customers and winning business to team building, cash flow management. But by far, the biggest challenge or issue has always been our people. And by that, I mean building the right team and helping them grow. We've found that can be a full-time affair. And particularly if you handle it badly or you employ the wrong person, it can take up literally all your time and distract you from running your business. So to answer your question, I think the number one challenge that leaders face is recruiting the right people so you can build that cohesive team that can really help take your business forward. Correct, Amundo. Consistency. When I've seen when you strip away the veneer of all the tactical problems that leaders have, getting the right people, doing the right things right, mm. 
as Vern Heinrich puts it, is at the core of their misery. Yet given that this is such a major issue, surely most leaders would be full book on the subject of recruitment, right? <laughs> Not in my experience. It's generally the last thing we think about and generally only because we're forced to think about it. It's either because someone's left the business and we have to replace them or we keep growing and the current team can't keep up with the workload. So invariably, some sort of pressure is applied somewhere within the business and we as leaders are forced to think about recruitment. Correct again. The answer is a definitive no. Well, not in general anyway, in my experience. So aren't managers, business owners, leaders in general better at getting and keeping the right people? Is it because there's some dark art to recruitment that only certain people preordained from birth have the right to practice? You know, you're a wizard, Harry type of stuff. Or is it just luck? Or are there actions that any leader can take to increase their chance of success in the recruitment lottery, whose odds seem to be lengthening with every day? Well, I'm not sure how many recruitment wizards are out there, Ron, particularly because most of us are busy with other priorities within the business. And in our COVID environment, I'm pretty sure most of us are busy working on the business and getting that top line growing. So I would have to say it's the latter. Otherwise, we wouldn't be having this conversation. So clearly our topic today is how to increase your success at recruiting the right people for your organization. Now, it would take more time than we have today to cover such a broad topic. So we're going to confine this podcast to our three top tips for leaders and managers. Now, most likely, we'll probably revisit this in a later podcast to include ideas from experts within the recruitment industry. But for now, I've brought my top three points for increasing your success at getting the right people into your business. And what about you, Ron? Yes, I brought my top three points. So let's get started. My three things are number one, preparation. Number two, preparation. And number three. Preparation. That's a lot of preparation. <laughs> that might sound like only one idea, but I'm, I'm happy to explain. I've seen too many people go into recruiting with no real idea of what they want. Mm -hmm. Basically, a person leaves, the manager panics and simply wants another body, warm <laughs> and breathing, desirable, occupying the same space as quickly as possible so everything can go back to normal as quickly as possible with as little effort or expense as possible. Yep. But this is the height of delusion, surely, especially when you consider the costs associated with getting the wrong person in the position. And anyone who's had to unwind a poor recruiting decision knows exactly what I mean. Yeah, and I think most business managers or owners have experienced that at least once, if not a few times. Good news is, though, that these type of experiences are really good learning and they get us thinking about how to improve our recruitment choices. In general, they say it costs around at least $10,000 to replace someone. So you want to make sure you're making the right choice if you're going to spend that money on just finding the right person. Yeah, I think $10,000 is a bit of a low figure, but um, let's continue. Okay. I, I've heard it described as best as the faith, hope, and charity syndrome. A poorly prepared manager employs someone on faith because they look or sound good. Then after a few months, the crack starts appearing with the hire, but the manager has hope that the person will come good in the role. Eventually, the manager realizes that they've chosen poorly. The person is not performing at all in that role and others are having to pick up the slack. From that point onwards, they're providing charity, paying someone who can't do the job. And that phase can go on for a long time. And it's not just the direct cost of that person's salary. The hidden opportunity costs of not having the right person and the effect on morale 
of other staff all point to a much bigger problem. Okay, to, to avoid the faith, hope and charity situation? Tip number one. Right. Be prepared. Make sure you know what you want from the person who fills that position. Know what success looks like. Have a well-articulated job description that not only outlines the duties, but also the purpose of the role. Mm-hmm. And that purpose is really important. Mm. Have a personal description as well. What skills and knowledge must they have to fulfill this position? The mandatories. And what skills and knowledge would be good but not essential? Basically, the nice-to-haves that if you don't have, you'd be willing to teach them on the job. Mm. And I think don't be afraid for this personal to inscript, uh, in description to include values and attitudes. In my experience, you can train skills and increase knowledge, but attitude comes with an individual. Armed with this, you now have a template by which you compare the actual candidates with the ideal candidate that you've thought about and spent time describing. Yeah, this is great. And look, a well-articulated job description will really help your candidates self-select if it's written well, which will save you a bunch of time in shortlisting. So tip number two is related to tip number one, but it's so powerful I wanted to give it a place of its own. Even with a good job in person description that leaders can use to help select good candidates, the problem of knowing if the person you select is actually working can be or shouldn't be left to chance. So tip number two is don't leave it to chance. Even before you start going to the marketplace for candidates, take the time to have a very clear idea of what success looks like once the person starts. What I mean by that is actually asking yourself the question, what would the ideal person in this role have done to make me think at the end of their first day (laughs) that they were the right person for the job? And list those things down. Mm. Ask yourself the same question for the end of their first week. What would they have achieved successfully? Then the first month, the first three months, and the first six months. These are things that are measurable or visible that define success in the role. Of course, they have to be realistic, but give you the confidence that you've chosen wisely. Again, you're now prepared with having a blueprint for whether the person is working it out. Even better, the new recruit knows exactly what success looks like for them once they start. So don't be afraid to share it with them at the interview as well. Yeah, that's great stuff. And look, I'd say once you really know what you're looking for, translate that into preparing really well thought out interview questions. Good questions allow the candidate to really open up about all sorts of things, which will give you some really great insights into how they think and whether they can achieve your definition of success or not. So a good recruiter can help you craft these type of questions, Ron, if you need help. Yeah, and it, it sounds like you're um, offering a few of your points up front there, but uh, I'll let you get away with that this time. <laughs> Thanks. <laughs> <laughs> Finally, and there's so other, many other things I could talk about relating to interviewing, checking references, and so on. But I've had to say, in line with my preparation theme, is preparing your brand. Mm. Most people think about branding as being solely about the customer. But the truth of the matter is that your organizational brand encompasses all of your audiences. Customers, suppliers, regulators, finances, shareholders, and employees. And this is crucial for recruiting, also potential employees. Your organization has a reputation as an employer whether you like it or not and whether you choose to influence it or not. So my last tip is to first understand what your brand is as an employer to employees and potential employees and then start to manage that perception. The type and quality of the talent you can attract starts with the reputation you have as an employer, your employer brand. 
employees are looking as much to you mm-hmm. as they are look as you are looking at them. Maybe even more so as the so-called war for talent increases. Influencing the way they look at you is therefore becoming critical. Yeah, I couldn't agree more, Ron, but you've actually stolen one of my tips. <laughs> <laughs> I thought I was the branding guy and the marketing guy, but that's okay. I might comment on this one in my actual tips if that's okay. Okay, then. So we might as well get straight on to that. What are your top three tips? I'm guessing what the first one might be. Well, hold the bus. Um, my first tip is actually to build a great staff culture. So I'll get onto the branding thing in a minute. So right off the bat, a great work culture goes a long way towards retraining staff. And there are so many companies who are trying to employ great people at the moment uh, that, you know, the good ones have choice. So if they have a choice between two very similar jobs and one company looks like the people really enjoy working there and there maybe are some doubts about the other one, nine times out of 10, I would suggest that they will choose the business which displays that they have a great work culture. So creating a great work culture takes a, a deliberate consideration. So for example, staff value things like flexibility in their working arrangements. At least that's what we've found. So being able to work from home or being flexible in their hours depending on their out of work responsibilities and and you know that has real value like a dollar value so having social events team activities um, finding a cause that you can all get behind like supporting the homeless as a as a group having bosses and management coming and finding out how you're doing rather than just always talking to you about work there's also a great way to work out how to build a great staff culture is to actually ask the staff about the culture and what they would like to see. So the final point in creating a great culture is when someone does invariably leave for another job, treat them well, celebrate the time they've spent with you and and let everyone see that because the way you treat them when they leave speaks volumes to the rest of your staff. And I've experienced this a few times. We've had people leave, but we've found that if you treat them really well, they all may just come back down the track. And when that happens, you get a new level of loyalty. Yes, I think that's an important point. It's, you know, a lot of people listening to this might think, well, wait a second, they're talking about recruiting. Surely this is nothing to do with recruiting, but it is Mm. because it's the, as I said before, it's the preparation that makes all the difference. Actually going out into the marketplace is the final step. And, and making sure the person's the right person is the final step in the preparation you've done beforehand. So I'm going to sneak another little tip in yeah, here. Cool. And that is, when should you be recruiting? And the answer is always. Yeah, that's good. I like that. Because, you know, you brought up that tip about brand earlier, but, you know, brand is actually a reflection of who you are and where you're going. But who you are is the who you are part right now, right? So... I guess further to your earlier point, my next tip or my second tip is to display your culture through your brand. And at Nucleus, we've worked with countless organizations where part of their brief is to or is that they want to be seen as an employer of choice. So the best way to do that is through your communications, which might include your website, your social channels and your interactions with clients and prospects and sometimes even your competitors. So firstly, When people are employing and even when they're not, we've seen this uh, in the websites and the the materials that we've built for clients is that the busiest pages on a website will generally be all about careers and key staff. Who am I going to be working with? More often than not, it's people who are researching for your 
business so that they can see if they want to work there. And the good ones will go all over your website like with a fine tooth comb. So invest in demonstrating your culture, vision, and the things that make you a great place to work on your website. Sometimes it's simple as making sure you invest in your brand and you look just professional and capable. And that means a lot to people because they're often thinking about a career and not just a job. In other words, you know, how long am I going to be able to work here? How am I going to be able to develop myself? Right, these guys look like a solid business that are going somewhere. So a well thought out and professional website really can give people confidence. Now on the social channels, of course, show how you celebrate with your staff what you do together and, and get your staff involved with posting because the social social channels are a great way to actually demonstrate your culture. And finally, on this tip, brand is not just about how you look and what you write. It's also about how you talk in person, your tone of voice and what your staff say in meetings and what you say yes to as a business and how you work with your clients. And we've actually had clients tell us that they've chosen to work with us because they can see that we work well together as a team and that it's clear that we have a great staff culture. And when you have clients saying that about you or prospects, the word spreads. And especially in a place like Adelaide, that's really important. Yeah, I mean, to my way of thinking, when, when uh, and in my experience, when people are uh, looking at organizations for jobs, um, the first person or the first people they go to are people who are working there at the moment. Yeah, 100%. Uh, and straight from the horse's mouth is the ultimate form of information. So in that case, if you're not looking after your staff well, your chances of recruiting well in the future are pretty slim. Yeah. The opposite is also true. If you are doing the right thing by your staff, and that's seen to be doing the right thing and doing the right thing, and all of that comes down to making sure you have open communications with yeah. them, then you've got a much better chance of getting better staff in the future, getting better talent. And in fact, I, I've always believed in this, having your staff re- be your recruiting force <laughs> and having your staff out there looking for the type of people that they want to work with. So it, it's a multiplier effect when you do this well. Oh, that's very interesting because that leads directly into my last point, which is... And I learned this a long while back and it aligns with what you're just saying is get the key staff who are going to be working with the candidate to be involved in the interview process. So, but I'll put a caveat on this. Um, The staff that you get involved should really be senior staff like managers who have the kind of maturity that's required because when they're in a meeting with uh, the candidate and so forth, they'll get a vibe of what it might be like to work with these people Um, particularly if they're involved in actually being the ones who are asking the questions and taking the candidate through their paces. So the other advantage of this as well is that the candidate will get a feeling about what it's like to work with them and get a sense of your staff culture from the people that are involved in the interview process, which is also super important for cultural fit. So that's my third point. Get your staff involved in the recruitment process formally. Absolutely. Uh, I would never... uh go through an interview process as an, a single employer, I would always have at least two other people working with me on that uh, interviewing candidates. And don't get me wrong, interviewing is not the only way to look at candidates. And like I said before, we, we might have people talk about this later on. But certainly um, having different perspectives on what candidates said, especially when you're the one asking questions, I've found mm. that you're dis- you're often distracted about the answer because you think about the next question you're going to ask 
having other people looking at the responses when they're not asking the questions is a great way to get feedback on what the candidate's like. And as you said, it also gives the, uh, the person who's looking at the job or is applying for the job an opportunity to see that what they're going to get themselves into. Yeah, 100%. So as with our last topic on networking, this is a really important topic. It might be worth talking about this some more in future episodes with people from the recruitment industry to get their take on how leaders can be more successful in their recruitment efforts. Yeah, absolutely. So look out, recruiters, because we're going to be knocking on your door to pick your brains for our listeners. And uh, on that, please also, if you're listening here today, let us know if there's any topics that you would like us to discuss. So remember, if you like the podcast and if you're finding it useful, please post a comment or rate us on Apple Podcasts or your favorite podcasting platform. And if you would like us to discuss any topics on future episodes of the Business Builders podcast, as I just mentioned, Simply direct message Ron Tomlin or Brenton Gallant on LinkedIn. And please remember to check out our sponsors, Nucleus at Nucleus.com.au. They're experts in helping you build your business and helping you become an employer of choice by helping you with your website, communication, social media, campaigns and brand work. Please check it out. Yep, so thanks for joining us. We hope you found this useful and we will see you next time. See you in the next episode, Brenton. Bye for now.